So I take it that the Giants and the Reds are going to meet in the NLCS. This is Locked On MLB. You are Locked On MLB. Your daily MLB podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hello, baseball fans, and welcome to Locked On MLB, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, where it's your team every day. This is the daily podcast. We talk about all the Major League Baseball. I am yours, Paul Francis Sullivan. How do you know that's my name? I got the lower third where I can be called Sully. I am an Emmy-nominated television producer who is currently in his mother's house and trying to find the right place to do the show. I did it sort of facing the other way in the living room. If I'm, I'm going to, I'm figuring it out. I'm going to be up here for, for a couple of weeks and um, I haven't found the ideal place to record a podcast yet, but uh, please enjoy this half of the living room here. Uh, by the way, uh, for those of you wondering, today's episode has been brought to you by Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code LOCKEDONMLB for $20 off your first purchase. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Follow us at LOCKEDONMLB pods on Twitter and Instagram. I am your pal Sully. I'm at Sully Baseball on Twitter, Sully Baseball Podcast and Instagram. And on tomorrow's show, I'm going to make a little bit of an announcement of a new way to interact with your pal Sully here and to maybe, you know, interact more. You can obviously leave comments on Twitter, comments on YouTube, but this is a more direct one-on-one way to talk to the show, tell your ideas, tell your thoughts to me, tell me what you like, what you don't like. And that's going to be on tomorrow. I'm making an announcement about something called subtext. So on tomorrow's show, Wednesday, you're going to learn all about that. And this will be a fun way to have some interaction with you all there. Um, it is uh, it is the summer solstice. It is going to be the longest day of the year in terms of sunlight. And we are now in late June. And um, some things are heating up in a strange, strange way in the National League. And we talked about a little bit with uh, Miller the other day about surprise contenders. Um, but you know what? There's there's two we've got to talk about. But before we get into that, uh, let's go over a part of the trivia question. And I'm going to respond to a couple of things some people said. Um, uh, Craig Brindle. Surprise, surprise. Craig Brindle once again got the trivia question right. Uh, Craig w- the, was asked, who was the last pitcher to lead the league in saves and then be the pitcher who clinches the World Series as the closer. And you have to go all the way back to 2010 when Brian Wilson of the Giants, who led the National League in saves that year, was the pitcher who clinched the World Series. And it almost wasn't him because Tim Lincecum was throwing a phenomenal Game five of the World Series that year. And I know Bochi was contemplating having Lincecum just finish the game. I thought Lincecum was going to finish the game. I thought there was something symbolic about that because the arrival of Tim Lincecum to the San Francisco Giants kind of was the moment that the Bonds era ended and the Lincecum 
Bochi years began. And Lincecum was really the great beloved star of those early years. He still is one of the most phenomenally popular players in I've ever seen in San Francisco. Um, and it's one reason why Giants fans always love Tim Lincecum and they always love Pablo Sandoval because, you know, when Bonds was there and Bonds was enormously popular. People stood and, and cheered for him and everything. But there was something cute and cuddly about the arrival of Pablo Sandoval and Tim Lincecum roughly at the same time. They both had their breakout years in 2008, the first year after Bonds was gone. And the Giants had stars that were more cute and cuddly. Bonds, brilliant player, not the most cute and cuddly guy in the world. And the Giant fans always had a soft spot for Sandoval and always just give treat Tim Lincecum like a rock star. And it seemed like it would have been appropriate that Lincecum would have been the one who was on the mound when they won. But they went with Brian Wilson. Do you know what? I am not going to question Bruce Bochy's managerial decisions in a stretch where the Giants won three World Series in five years. Uh, by the way, the last time an American League pitcher did, led the league in saves and clinched the World Series was Mariano Rivera in 1999. And so if if Bochy had gone with Lincecum, then the last time a pitcher would have led the league in saves and also done the clinching pitch would have been in the previous century. A couple of people guessed Rivera, and that's always a solid guess, but a lot of times Rivera didn't lead the league in saves. A lot of times Joe Torrey didn't use him in every single save situation because he wanted to make sure that he was, uh, you know, ready, you know, come October. So, hey, good job, Brindle. Um, and, you know, that was a, a one era of Giants baseball that was great for you know san francisco and by the way right now i'm in the san francisco bay area and i will be for uh, uh a little bit so if anyone wants to contact me and maybe catch a giants game you know send me a tweet respond to me at sully baseball if you want to go catch a ball game at a sports bar would love to meet up with any fans of lockdown mlb who are here in the san francisco bay area um the giants and the bruce bochi era ended uh, during the uh, year before the COVID season. And they had a surprise, tremendous year in 2021 where they were check swing called third strike out of the playoffs against Los Angeles, but it was still a magical 107 win season they had. Last year, they were break even. Now, they're, they're, I mean, look, there's something wonderful happening about this team. The last two days, back-to-back games, and I watched here in the house with with my mom and and other giant fans up here uh and and i could feel the spirit of my dad um the giants won back-to-back games in dramatic fashion against the san diego potters by the way the san diego potters are really really looking at a lost season right now but let's focus on the positive in the giants yastrzemski i i mentioned it briefly in yesterday's show Yastrzemski had this two home run game. Uh, he had a home run to basically, they were down four, nothing. The giants were, and they, it, they looked kind of dead, but then Yastrzemski and VR hit home runs. I remember thinking, okay, it's four, two. That's that's psychologically four, two is a lot from four, nothing. And Yastrzemski tied the, you know, scored the tying run 
in the bottom of the ninth and then hit the walk-off three-run home run into the into the right field. It, actually, the second home run didn't go into the bay, but he had the walk-off three-run home run. Place went berserk, and it was just it was a thrilling win. And today, the Giants won again. Again, they were losing for most of the day. Again, they looked their offense just looked dead for the first part of the game. But they started chipping away, chipping away. They finally tied the game in the eighth, and then the with one out, uh, runner gets on. It was Mondo's got a, a walk. Then there was another hit. I may be uh, I may be mixing it up a little bit. And Bob Melvin saying, hey, 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 we can't afford to lose back-to-back games like this, brought in Hayter. So we got to, you know, save situation, be damned. We have to get out of this game. And with two outs and the bases loaded, Jock Peterson, Palo Alto zone, had a tremendous at-bat. He was, there was a, he was the recipient of, of good fortune when Josh Hader uh, did a pitch violation, but he fouled off, fouled off, fouled off, fouled off a bunch, and it will never be shown in the box score. But he fouled off a two-strike pitch, which was a brutal pitch from Hader, and he fouled it off to extend the at bat, and then Hader walked him. Bases loaded, walk. Giants won the game. Not quite as fun as a Yastrzemski home run. But with that victory, again, we can t- we can badmouth a lot of things going wrong with the Padres and Javier Reyes, who is going to be a guest on this show over this weekend. Um, look, at, we all know the Padres are having an absolutely devastatingly disappointed season. But now the Giants have won nine straight games. Nine straight games. Remember, this team... Just a, just a little bit ago was, you know, an even 500. Just about a week and a half ago, even 500. And now with a nine-game winning streak, not only did they leapfrog the Los Angeles Dodgers, who managed to pull off a win thanks to another very good start from Clayton Kershaw, but the Giants are not only in second place, but they're only two and a half games back of the Arizona Diamondbacks. The Giants are not only in second place, but they're only two back in the loss column of the Diamondbacks. The Giants are not only in second place, but they are right now the third best team in the National League in terms of wins and losses. And keep in mind, I made the point the other day that I think the Diamondbacks need to acquire a starting pitcher. Obviously, they would want to acquire a Bieber or Marcus Stroman or Giolito or someone like that, but they need to get someone to give their rotation a little bit of depth. When you don't have great depth in your rotation, you can be in danger of going on a losing streak. You know, Kelly, Gallen are both terrific. That's a Gallen or Galen. I always mispronounce it. It's Gallen and Kelly are both terrific. But that means 60% of their starts are being done by question marks. And the Giants are playing in a way that makes you think, I don't think they're going to slow down. As we go into these next about slightly more than a month before the trade deadline, the Giants should really take a good long look and say, we have a shot. 
We have an absolute shot because they have players who are doing the right thing. Gabe Kapler said that in the press conference the other day. They're throwing to the right bases. They're make they're hitting the cutoff end. They made a they made a dumb play today where they threw home when they should have thrown to first. But on the most part, they're playing mistake free ball. And playing mistake free ball can make up for sometimes that delta of talent. Well, they don't have the superstars that that San Diego has right now. But right now, the Giants are lapping them. And so somehow, in this weird, topsy-turvy, everything is turning on a dime, we're at this point in the season where the Giants have gone from fringe wildcard contender to thinking, hey, we may win the division and, and have home field advantage and get that bye. We'll see if the bye is actually an advantage. But that being said, the Giants are looking like a solid club because they're not making dumb moves. And maybe if they bring in one more bat or a little more depth in their bullpen because they've been getting solid starts, if they do that, maybe, just maybe, the Giants will be convinced that this is an even year and go pretty far in the postseason. Now, as wonderful as the Giants' nine-game winning streak has been, guess what? It's not the biggest one in baseball right now. And we're going to cover that when we come back. But first, it's time to talk about game time. Now, look at game time is the best place if you want to get tickets. And by the way, I'm here in the Bay Area. If anyone wants to get tickets, we'll go to a ball game. And I will use my game time app. It's the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all sports, music, comedy, and any theater near you. They got killer deals on last-minute tickets and their best price guarantee so you can stop stressing over tickets and get hyped about going to Oracle Park or maybe the Oakland Coliseum, whatever you want to do. They got fast deals. They got flash deals, last-minute tickets. And they send the tickets right to your phone. A couple of tabs, boom, boom. You get the image of your seat view. get the lowest price guarantee, which means you always get the best price. That's the game time guarantee. If you find tickets in the same section in a row for less, game time will credit you 110% of the difference. And the tickets are sent directly to your phone, so you have to dig through your emails. So here's our call to action. Snag the tickets without the stress with game time download the game time app create an account and use the code locked on mlb for twenty dollars off your first purchase terms apply create an account and redeem the code locked on mlb for twenty dollars off download game time today last minute tickets lowest price guaranteed All righty. Talking about teams that are on a roll. Guess what? I mean, like, let's take a look at the NL Central. All right, it's critical that I say this. That nine days ago, the Pirates were 34 and 30, four games above 500. And the Reds were... Um, let's see, they were 
let's see, they were 27 and 35. Oh, no, no, sorry. They were 30 and 35. They were five games under 500. The Pirates are four games over 500. The Reds were five games under 500. Less than two weeks have passed. And now the Pirates are four games under, and the Reds are four games over. They have completely flip-flopped in less than two weeks. This is how fast it can go. And remember, it can go just as fast the other way. We've seen with the Pirates this year, they've gone on wild streaks where they look tremendous and streaks where they look completely incompetent and then go on a great big winning streak. And right now they're in a great big losing streak. Great April, horrible May. Solid first half of June, terrible second half of June. It's a strange roller coaster ride for the Pirates, but for the Reds, it's so clear what the demarcation point is. De La Cruz's arrival has completely coincided with the team exploding. De La Cruz has done everything you can ask, obviously. He's gotten big hits. He had a home run today. He has a great speed, a great defense, and everything going on like that. And the Reds have been playing at an unbelievable clip. Yes, the Rockies are not a very good team, but they've been beating good teams as well. And if you're a team that's trying to get off the mat, you have to win the games against the teams you're supposed to. But it's the way that they're winning, which is so phenomenal. And it is reminding me a lot. Now, it's funny. The Pirates were reminding me a lot of the Kansas City Royals from a few years ago. Now it's the Reds, and I'll tell you exactly why. When the Royals had those two years where they exploded, especially 2015, where they were good from wire to wire, and they went on winning the World Series, and they were the best team in the American League, and uh, you know there were better teams in the National League than the Mets that year, but the Mets were the team that made it to the World Series, and the Royals won a very deserving World Series title. I digress. The way the Royals won that year, other than the fact that they had a dynamic bullpen, they had all these players who were super aggressive on the base paths, not just stolen bases, although they got lots of stolen bases there, but they were always going first to third. They were always taking calculated risks on the base paths that forced the team to play on their heels a little bit. After a generation of everyone playing station to station, you know, juice ball, steroid ball, don't worry about the stolen base, don't worry about sacrificing anyone over. Suddenly there was a team that were jackrabbits. We're going to be fast. We're going to be running. And I'm seeing what the Reds are doing to the teams by going first to third, by stealing bases, by forcing the other team to make the play. Sometimes they don't. How many times in the game today between the Reds and Colorado did someone try to pick someone off at second and the ball rolled into the center field or the someone got a hit to right field and the fact that they went first to third caused a panic throw. Sure, someone may get thrown out of the base pass from time to time, but you're forcing the other team to be perfect. You're forcing the other team to make the play. You're forcing the other team to be on their heels. And you're seeing that it's infectious. Yeah, De La Cruz had a tremendous game, but it was Friedel's game that when the Rockies took the early um, lead, it was T.J. Friedel's hit the three-run home run as if to say, no, 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 no. Stay out of the way. We're going to do this. 
The Reds are in first place by themselves. Now, the Cardinals have been playing a little bit better recently. And the Brewers won today, so they aren't falling down the standings. But there's something about a team, the way that Cincinnati is playing. And this is that makes you think they're going to make other teams make mistakes. Remember what I said about what worked with the Giants? They're not the most talented team, but they throw to the right base. They don't make mental errors. Well, when you have jackrabbits on the field, when you have people who are super fast, super aggressive, you're going to force the other team to be in a situation where they can't make a mistake. And many times they will. You're seeing that with the Cincinnati Reds right now. We're going to be facing a five to six week period where teams like the Reds and the Giants have to take a good long look in the mirror and say, is this a fluke? Is this a good solid couple of weeks? Because just you just rewind to just two weeks ago, the Reds are a sub 500 team. And you're thinking, well, you know, they're technically in contention, but just because the division's so bad. Again, the Reds did exactly what I told them to do, which is promote all your players. Anyone decent your farm system, see what you got. And what I'm hoping is, what I hope will happen is teams see the advantage, see the example that the Reds gave, which was, well, if you're a good player in our system, you're going to be on the major league roster and we're going to play you. So far, so good for that. Now, there have been teams that have great win streaks in the middle of the season that create the mirage of contention. Bruce Bochy's final season in 2019 was exactly that. The Giants were not a very good team for the first third of the season. It was Bochy's final year, and they had a bunch of players that you're thinking, you know what? Maybe they can get something for Madison Baumgartner. Maybe they can get someone for this player or that. And they're not going anywhere. The team's not going anywhere. So why not get something? It'll be sad to see you know breaking the team apart during Boach's final year. But who are we kidding? Then they went on a wild winning streak. And you couldn't do it. You couldn't pull the trigger. They were climbing back into contention. The trade deadline came and went. And boom, reality hit. And the Giants fell out of contention. I'm sure the Giants front office wish they pulled the trigger on some of those. They could have, at that time, they could have got something quality from Madison Bumgarner. But we can't put the toothpaste back in that tube. For the Reds and the Giants, right now they look like they're unbeatable. Right now they look like, oh my God, can you believe these two teams that just a couple of weeks ago looked like they were the periphery at best. And now here they are. One's leading the league and the other is crawling right up to the doorstep and both are playoff teams right now. The Mets and Padres and Cardinals have been the great disappointments that's opened the doors for some of these. Take a look at the team. See the style that they're playing. And is that a product of good luck right now or have both of these teams taken the turn this is go time for general managers right now because if they truly believe that they're going to make an impact 
then you got to make that deal because you don't know how quickly these windows of opportunity can not just gently close, but slam shut. And if the Giants are in a position to improve or the Reds are in a position to improve, and all of a sudden that might be the difference between a team winning or not. Hey, let's take a quick look at who owned baseball. Oh, and before we do that, I want to address one thing. I got a uh, uh, a comment on the uh, uh, on the YouTube page, uh, and uh, it was based of it was from someone named Logan Cox. Logan Cox pointed out when uh, Millard uh, referenced Luke Weaver, who's a pitcher for the Reds. Uh, and he sort of sarcastically talked about how he can't believe that Luke Weaver is now the number two starter for the Reds. Logan Cox said Luke Weaver is not the number two starter for the Reds. This guy doesn't know ball. Well, okay. Um, whether or not Miller knows ball or not, I, I think he does. But uh, if you don't agree with that, Logan, that's fine. Uh, I'm just going to put something in context of why he would say that. First of all, um, as of this recording, uh, Luke Weaver has the second, uh, either the second or third most starts of anyone on the Cincinnati Reds team and the most starts of anyone who's healthy, I believe. But the main reason he said that was Luke Weaver was one of the main pieces in the trade. He was a St. Louis Cardinal farmhand. He was a first-round pick in 2014. And he was a main uh, cog in the trade when the Cardinals traded for Paul Goldschmidt. And so, remember, he's the host of Locked On Diamondbacks. So there's a slight bad taste in his mouth about Luke Weaver, that he was supposed to be a star pitcher, one of the people who were sold to Diamondbacks fans as here's part of the package that you get back for Paul Goldschmidt. And the fact that he he bombed as a pitcher for the Diamondbacks was ultimately traded away for Emmanuel Rivera. And, oh, here we go. We traded away you know, Paul Goldschmidt for what? So if when he said that, there was a little bit of venom in his voice that he was on a pitching staff that was doing well. When, where the hell was that when he was at Arizona? So, uh, you know, understand some of the uh, uh, sarcastic context of what he said there. Um, we're going to talk about who owned baseball for the uh, 20th day of June. Um I almost went with uh, Jock Peterson for his tremendous at-bat, but I got to go to my, the aforementioned T.J. Friedel, who got four hits, including a three-run home run early in the game. He led the Reds to that victory. Uh, and Marcus Stroman pitched seven scoreless innings. The Cubs blanked the Pirates, the fading Pirates, 4 nothing. Marcus Stroman's name is going to come up a lot because the Cubs are probably not going to win piddly-poo. Stroman, I believe, can opt out or maybe opt out next year. He's going to be a hugely valuable trade chip, and a lot of teams will be falling over them as a guy who is putting together a potential Cy Young season. A great pitching performance by a couple of pitchers out there, including Garrett Cole for the Yankees, but I gave it to Daniel Lynch, who threw seven innings of one-hit shutout ball. The Royals blanked the Tigers 1-0, and Red Sox infielder Christian Arroyo went 5-for-5 five five with a home run and the Red Sox beat the Twins with a CB final score, 10-4, good buddy. 
Uh, half wobs. Nolan Jones hit a home run in the first inning in the Rockies lost to the Reds. He got on base five times, but it wasn't enough. Uh, Yuri Perez pitched very well for the Marlins. He struck out nine Blue Jays in six shutout innings, but the Marlins bullpen lost the game to nothing. Uh, Michael Lorenzen pitched very well, but got a hard luck one nothing loss as the Royals were blanked by uh, uh, I'm sorry, as the Tigers were blanked by the Royals. And Corey Seager's have a wonderful year for the Rangers. He went three for five and added a walk, but the Rangers lost a bizarre walk-off game to the White Sox. So uh, if you're keeping score at home, uh, Christian Arroyo, TJ Friedel, Daniel Lynch, and Michael Stroman got full wobs. Nolan Jones, Michael Lorenz, and Yuri Perez, and Corey Seager got half wobs. And let's talk about the... Trivia question for the day. Reds fans grind their teeth knowing they have not won a playoff game since 1995. They got swept in the 1995 NLCS. They lost the 1999 wildcard playoff game. They got, uh, they lost the, the, they got swept in the uh, uh, division series uh, by the um, Philadelphia Phillies. They won the first two games on the road of the division series in 2012, but then got lost the final three games to the Giants. They lost the wild card playoff game to the um, uh, the Pirates the next year. They lost the two games of the wild card series in the COVID year. So they haven't won a home playoff game since 1995. Here's a trivia question for you. Who was the last Reds pitcher to record a home playoff win to win the game in Cincinnati? Which Reds starting pitcher got the winning decision for the last Reds home game victory? And it also was the last series they ever won. So who was the winning pitcher for the last time the Reds won a home playoff game back in 1995. So send that over to uh, Locked On MLB Pods on Twitter and Instagram, or go to Sully Baseball on Twitter, Sully Baseball Podcast on Instagram, or here on the YouTube. And tomorrow there's going to be a big, big announcement regarding the brand new subtext way to contact me. So talking about the Red Hot Reds, the giant hopes for the Giants, figure out who owned this game. This has been Locked On MLB for the summer solstice, the 21st day of June, 2023. I am your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call me Sully.